discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm having a conversation with Guy Wink, Global CEO for Digital Agency, Analog Folk. Welcome, Guy. Hey, Darren. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. It's great to meet you too. And uh, thank you for getting up early, I I believe, because I'm in Sydney, you're in London. So what time is it? uh, What time of day is it? Uh, it's not too early at the moment. It's kind of 9am and, uh, you know, used to dealing with other time zones. So uh, I, I, uh, I'm I, sorry that I'm pulling you up, at, you know, late in the evening. So uh, hopefully I'm not keeping you up. So Guy, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have a chat was that I, I read uh, recently that analogue folk have uh, come into the world of robotics with a thing called... a. a a service called With Robots. Um, is this uh, you're planning to replace the biggest expense that anyone has, which is uh, their staff in an agency? Yeah, well, we have been busy, but I don't think it's about replacing people. I think it's about getting people to do the right kind of tasks and solving some bigger industry issues. Um, you know, our, our belief is we need to, you know, use digital to make the analog world better. And I think there's some big problems that automation can solve. Um, and I'm sure we'll go into those, but the fact that 90% of programmatic advertising has zero creative uh, customization uh, just seems wrong. And so we should fix it. Yeah. Look, I started with that because I remember uh, attending a uh, talk that uh, Sir Martin Sorrell gave where he said his biggest expense at WPP was the people. And if you could get rid of those crazy creative people, business would be so much easier. I, I always thought that uh, he was heading down this path of uh, designing robots to do all the creative work. But yeah, we'll get to it. You, you have a really uh, interesting career from an industry perspective because you did start out in media, but you very quickly, last uh, millennium, jump across to what was called uh, interactive media, but has become digital, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did the uh, an early jump uh, and got a little lucky um, and, you know, just ha- happened to work with some great people, uh, started uh, AKQA, I had a fantastic 17-year run, but... Yeah, in the in the early days, I was in media. Started off in data. In fact, started off as a windsurf instructor. So who would know? Uh, got into databases, building databases. Then um, got into media, and then uh, uh, jumped into digital because I, uh, you know, even though it was still the modem days, so it was a long time ago, Darren. I have to admit, a long time ago. But uh, you know, yeah, just got lucky, met some great people, and here we are today. So starting your sort of industry career so early, AKQA is or was one of the big leaders in those days of, you know, really innovative, uh, pushing the boundaries of uh, what could be done on the internet, even in the dial-up days, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at AKQA we were, you know, fortunate enough, I think we were working on the first car configurators you know, use car directories, sending SMS messages when a car was, you know, available. 
uh, yeah, it was great times, great company. Still is a good company, uh, in all honesty. I mean, you know, Giles and the team there have done a great job, so I wish them all the best. Um, so, yeah, just, again, it was really interesting times. You know, we were super young. You've got to imagine, you know, we're in our 20s, and uh, it was just crazy, but it was brilliant. It was so entrepreneurial. It was brilliant. Yeah, I think, uh, it, well, because it was the wild west of marketing, wasn't it, in those early days? You know, people were really trying to understand, you know, the impact how uh, adver uh, advertising would actually be applied to uh, the internet. I mean, the internet was still relatively new in uh, at the turn of the millennium. Yeah, yeah, go on, 1997, I think it was, so... Yeah, it was super new and, um, you know, we learned a huge amount in a very um, short period because don't forget you had the boom time and obviously we had the bus time. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's when we hold, held our nerve and, uh, and AKQA flourished from there where a lot of our competitors fell by the wayside. And uh, loads of people ask how you know, and it's, it's not really for me to talk about the AKQA story anymore, but loads of people asked how we survived those times. And it was really simple. And uh, <clears throat> we only worked with brands that our mum and dad had heard of. And uh, that saw us through. So that was the strategy. I love the simplicity of that. You know, the, the simplicity of let's work with brands that our parents have heard of. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, Victoria Beckham wanting to be as famous as Purcell. Yeah, there was just so much money flying around, and you know, and we were just like we couldn't hire the people, and and it was like, wow, how are we navigating this? Um, so we decided to keep it simple, and it worked. You made a jump then across to publicists, uh, you know, because I noticed you were London, then you went to San Francisco and then New York with AKQA. Was going back to publicists London a bit of, you know, I don't know, returning back to the base or was it just the opportunity? No, I mean, I can't say returning back to the base because I'd been at AKQA for 17 years. So done, you know, done a stint in the US, helped build out San Fran, build kind of uh, tech partnerships there, went to New York, got New York up and running, came back, ran Europe, opened Portland, opened uh, uh, Tokyo. So, you know, it was a busy 17 years, but, um, you know, we'd, we'd sold the company to WPP and, um, yeah, I just decided I, I wanted to try something new and uh, wanted to see if I could um, apply what I'd learned to AKQA in a different environment, as in, could I take a different set of creative businesses and uh, turn them around and, and help improve them? So I met Artur Sadoun and Maurice Levy, and they said, look, if we give you some uh, companies, do you want to have a crack at this? And uh, it was a bit more complex than that, obviously, but, you know, and we gave it a go and, and, and again, had a great four years, learned a huge amount, learned that not everything I'd learned to AKQA was right. Uh, there wasn't one process for all creative businesses. Uh, culture, you know, culture in different brands is different. So how do you get different cultures working together? Because AKQA was very uh, single-minded 
and had a very singular culture. Whereas if you got, you know, in a modern environment, a modern communications environment, you need collaboration with different skill sets and different types of people. So yeah, it was it was a very interesting time, very tough um, because you know you've worked somewhere for seventeen years and then suddenly you're the new new person, and you've got to navigate this huge organization. You know, hundred or thousand people, or maybe slightly less, eighty two, I think it was at the time. Um, you've got to navigate the organization. Um, it's a French organization, so you have to navigate the, the that. Um, as well so it was uh it was interesting and and again really rewarding well clearly you did learn a lot because you then went on to set up uh, serum which uh when i read your vision for serum i thought it was clearly a business almost before its time and and what i'm talking about is you said you know that talking with clients they wanted an independent view of what technology and digital meant for their business and Serum was really set up as a problem-solving consultancy to connect the right talent into solving those problems. Is that a fair summation of your vision of Serum Consulting? It's excellent, Darren. I wish you'd written a copy on my website, you know. <laughs> um, excellent summation. So, yeah, I just felt, you know, I'd, ha- I'd had a, you know, a good time at uh, a publicist, but you know, a favorite phrase of mine is availability isn't a skill set. And I just felt that clients needed more consulting and um, they shouldn't be working in an environment where, you know, the, the lead voice around the table uh, represented a practice that was really good at doing a certain thing. I'll make it up a TV ad or building websites or whatever it is. I just felt it was, it wasn't written, you know, a lot of the, you know, there's a risk, you don't do the right thing for the client, you do the right thing for your PL. And actually, the you don't do the right thing for the client, you don't do the right thing for the consumer, and you try and optimize your PL for short term return, you know, for short term gains. So my view was, hey, I've got a great network, let's, um, turn, you know, go with more of a consulting slant and uh, bring teams together as clients need them. I think this is a universal challenge that, uh, you know, agencies are finding is, you know, there was a time with the media commission where, you know, revenue in a way was looked after because the more a client spent on media, the more the agency made. But when we moved away from that, you know, with the fragmentation of media and the fact that so much of uh, customer and consumer engagement can be done without paid media, you know, especially through owned uh, and earned assets, that suddenly that model didn't apply anymore. So money became an everyday thing for agencies. It wasn't something in the background with the media commission. It became a core part of the business. And so suddenly it's, are we doing this because it's right for the client or are we doing it because we've got to get paid for the work we do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole advertising landscape has just become more and more transparent, which is, you know, causing some issues for some and some benefits for others. I think the key advantage I've always had is I was born in a project um, landscape. You know, I was, I was, when I was at AKQA, all of our revenue, you know, was largely project based. Okay, you do large programs of work that would last six, seven months. 
but I, I was quite relaxed about it. We didn't have those, you know, big kickbacks or, you know, whatever was going on in the past. So I feel quite relaxed in that environment. Um, whereas I know a lot of our competitors and, you know, a lot of the industry, you know, always harp on about the good old days when they were making, you know, money here, money there, you know, deals here, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I feel very comfortable and I don't, I'm not so worried about the fragmentation. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I just, I do want to move on, except that you move from, um, from Serum and, and, you know, your business that you started to Analog Folk was largely because clearly they saw value in what you were doing because you were bought, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I met the founders, um, and, you know, they're, they're great guys. And I've always admired Analog Folk, uh, the great culture, uh, good company. And they just um, they just said, hey, guy, you know, we like what you did at AKQA. You know, we heard you, you, you're a nice guy. Um, we, we like what you've done at Serum. We like the kind of relationships you have with clients. Um, we, you know, we're ready for the next stage of our journey. Um, would you be interested in joining? And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lovely business. It's, uh, you know, I think Matt and Bill and, and Robbo and, and the rest of the crew always get a bit embarrassed, but it's, um, it's a very clean business. You know, everyone's working in the business, no external shareholders. No, no, no. It's everyone just focused on building a, a single business. So it seemed a great opportunity and a great opportunity to build what I would call um, or to evolve it into more of a creative and technology platform business that uh, I believe modern marketeers need. I'm always, uh, in, in a way, a bit discombobulated by the fact that it's a digital agency called Analog Folk. And I know Robbo's explained it to me a number of times. But just explain it to me one more time, Guy. What digital agency yeah. analog folk? You know, it's a... I know. I, I've seen that interview and uh yeah, it did make me laugh. You know, Darren, as you know, I'm I'm quite kind of um short and to the point. So the the way I look at it is uh, the founders of Analog Folk had a massive foresight into the issues the industry was gonna have because technology isn't good or bad, it's how you use it or how it is used that is good or bad. So really it's uh, using digital to make the analog world better is about helping people and brands ensure they use digital technology in the right way to make a good and positive impact on the world. Yeah, and every time it's explained to me, I love it, Guy. Yeah, is it still not working, Darren? Oh, I like the idea. I really do. I think it's great. And you just look at, you know, technology has had some very damaging impacts on our, on our society. You only have to look at the recent reports uh, that have just come out, uh, you know, around teenage suicide, etc. So, um, you know, we have to use these things in a responsible and meaningful way to, to improve things, not to make them worse. Look, uh, it's interesting as well because I find a lot of clients 
marketers are getting confused about what it means to be a digital agency. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's been 20 years now and a lot of what was seen as traditional, you know, television-driven agencies, of course, have built out their digital capabilities. So in a world where everyone says they can uh, do digital uh, marketing and advertising, what does it actually mean to be a digital agency? Yeah, I think that's a fair question, you know, because digital is ubiquitous. Um, I think the the thing just to bear in mind is you say that and having worked, you know, in different types of creative uh, businesses, uh, I can tell you one story. Yeah. And that story is I had to do one of those big kind of, you know, big meetings with the big execs and I had to show the work that had come out of uh, my agency or the agencies I was looking after. And um, I, everyone showed their big shiny TV ads. Yeah, and they were great. And I showed some banner ads. And you should have seen the look of disdain around everyone around that table. And so that's it at the end of the day. It's, I completely get that a load of these, a load of traditional agencies have completely, are, are moving into digital, I get it. But is there heart in it? I question that. Look, and what we've started talking about to clients is we call them technology agencies. And what we mean by that is an agency that can talk to marketing and to the IT department in each of their own languages, but really understand the consumer better than ever. So that's what we, we're starting to not call them digital agencies because everyone's digital, but there are a lot of really uh, good agencies that have a solid base in understanding the technology because they have to understand the technology to be able to apply it in the most appropriate way. What do you feel about that sort of distinction? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, the thing that uh, I think puts analog folk in a, in a different realm is our creative teams embrace technology. You know, they embrace things like automation. They embrace um, consumer um, uh, content. They, 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 they're welcoming of those technologies, not hostile towards them. Um, so yeah, you have to have multiple voices in your organization and you have to be able to navigate talking to the CTOs, talking to the CIOs, CEOs, etc. Um, so yeah, it, it's imperative. And often it's quite small, difficult for smaller companies because, you know, you, you, you can become too broad and then have no depth. And, and equally, it's very challenging because some, some brands will just, by default, think you're a certain type of company <clears throat> and therefore can't have that other conversation. So it's it's still a complex world, but you you have to have you in I believe in this world you have to be able to have conversations across across the C suite. Mm. So guy, on the basis of our conversation, I'm starting to now reframe this with robots, and and it's build with robots and automate with robots. I saw was the the two sort of streams of work that uh, that analog folk had launched. Um, Yes. In that this is absolute proof 
of your comfort with technology because a lot of agencies really struggle with the concept of automating, even whether it's you know, AI, robotics or whatever, automating a process that in the hallowed ground of Madison Avenue or the Great Portland Streets uh, in, in London, it's a process that's rather magical and can't be automated and can't have an AI applied to it. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think it's easy to uh, jump to the wrong endpoint because uh, if you look at when we were building the proposition and when we acquired the technology platform, it, uh, our creative uh, council, which is all of our ECDs around the world, were fully behind it because it isn't about replacing creativity. Let's be really, really clear. It's about doing the work that the creative team shouldn't be doing. So effectively, if you've ever had to work on an 80,000 variant campaign for a retailer, um, you, the last thing you want to do is have your production team manually changing all the assets. So for me, it's about how do we ensure that our creative teams make sure that the idea is amazing when I look at the actual technology, it's about how do you make sure the core asset is what the creative team wants, and then how do we use technology to effectively optimize that asset to ensure the consumer gets the right image with the right model, with the right copy and the right language, and the asset looks amazing. So it's like, take all of that away, focus on the idea and what we call like the master template, but focus on the master asset. And we went deliberately down that direction. It's, uh, it's interesting because this is absolutely where we see the opportunity. You know, we've been tracking and measuring scopes of work for clients and their agencies for 20 years. In 2005, the average brand produced around 200 pieces of work per year. In 2019, the average brand was producing three to 5,000 plus pieces of work a year. Now, this is all driven by digital and social media because they're yeah. huge consumers of content. You know, these yeah. daily Facebook updates, into Instagram posts and the like. You know, is this really where we should be spending agency time manually putting together all of those uh, all of those combinations i i don't think we should and i don't think it's particularly rewarding for um for creative people because all you're doing is reforming assets so um and you have to do it because loads of people say oh well you know maybe we don't need to do it but you know 66 percent of consumers feel that advertising is repetitive so, um, you know, 60% of consumers have also not bought products because of a poor design experience. So you've got to do it. We've got to focus on, you know, hyper-personalization. I'm sorry, using another buzzword that I hate, but um, you, you've got to do it. You've got to have the right model, the right copy, the right product. I don't want our amazing talents to be worrying about that. I want to use the technology to do that. There's also a trend that's impacting agencies because clients are producing a, or demanding the production of a lot more 
outputs, deliverables, executions, but their budgets haven't increased exponentially to match the exponential demand. And yet, if an agency is still using the same manual process, and I call it a cottage industry approach, you know, where every piece of work starts from the beginning and one person takes it through to the end, there's no ability to scale there. I, I'm, I've really been quite amazed at how slow the industry's been to actually pick up on this idea of automation of the sort of production part of the, the process. And I've had conversations with agency people that have said to me, but don't you understand, Darren, that production is a creative process? So I agree with them. I think production to a certain point, to your, again, your hero asset, is a creative process. The adaptation of that asset uh, again, I believe should be automated. And, um, you know, I can see, I can see the demand in clients. I can see the demand in agencies. A lot of agencies are using our proprietary technology within their tech stacks to improve their production um, capabilities. And, uh, and I'm sure they're not passing all those cost benefits onto their clients. So um, I think everyone realizes it. Um, and if they don't, then, well, up to them. What can I say? Uh, but I, I, you need more assets. You need more assets in more channels than ever before. And, um, you know, it's, you know, there are quite a lot of people doing it in kind of video, uh, sorry, in stills and in HTML, but not many people doing it with with video and so what I'm really chuffed about with our technology is we can do it in video so um, you know much like this podcast syncing between um, you know video and uh, voice as we've discussed earlier but uh, yeah I, I, I'm super excited about that the future of automation and, uh, and I think it just allows the you know creative teams to focus on the core craft rather than worrying about optimization and doing million banner assets. You know, they just don't want to do it. And Guy, where can you see this going? Because there's also a lot of parts in agent, the agency world and the agency process that are incredibly manual and laborious, you know, like uh, conference reports and account reconciliations and things like that. Can you see that this same approach of automation and applying AI and, and robotics could be applied to a lot more of the uh, advertising process beyond production? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm, you know, we, we've got a few products within uh, AFG. AFG is the holding group for analog folk. Um, and... Um, I'm, I'm quite particular, you know, I think you have to be very careful with product development because it's really easy to try and do loads of things and then you're, you know, you're half-baked in loads of things. So I'm quite particular with our product teams to make sure they have a very focused point of view. So with our automation platform right now, it's like, let's just make, you know, multivariant advertising as good as it can be. You know, if I look at our, um, we've got an AI product uh, working within a bank that effectively reads websites to um, look for design infringements. And then you you plug the AI into your production process to stop 
faulty designs going out because it's all very well fixing them, but it all always costs money to fix them. So you need to stop them going out in the first place. So we've used AI to help influence that process. And, you know, that that's a very focused product. So yes, I think it can be broad. That's not necessarily my job. My job is to make sure my automation products are really good and my AI products to ensure that brands are represented in the right way are really good. And you can see how automation and then my brand management AI tools, you can see how they might converge, but it will always be for the betterment of the consumer experience rather than becoming a B2B solution for, you know, for agencies. That's our product roadmap for now. Yeah. I, I, I guess I was asking that question more, not so much your particular product development, but, you know, more from the point of view that I can see anything that allows people to really focus their energies on where the real value is added and free them up from the mundane or the routine has to be a positive thing because you know oh, yes. we know that yes. the industry suffers from long working hours and you know people working weekends and all sorts of ridiculous things that have been happening that if we could eliminate all that drudgery so that people could really focus on you know, creativity and strategy and thinking about how their customer, client's business could be performing better. That has to be a good thing, doesn't it? I completely agree with you. You know, God, I can't wait till we get rid of timesheets and we use AI to uh, effectively deal with that. And I know there's some great tools out there. Um, but no, I, I agree. I, I, I would love our people to be focused on on doing the interesting part of the, you know, of all of our jobs rather than worrying about the admin. Yeah. Though I did have a, uh, a counter point of view put to me. How are people going to learn the business if they don't start, you know, with doing the most mundane jobs over and over again? And I'm going, wow, that sounds like a baby boomer to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Karen. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. I yeah, I, I I understand you have to learn the ropes, but learn the ropes in craft, not administration. Exactly. Or administration of that. What's been the uptake, and what's been the reaction to with robots? It's been great. You, you know, we've um we've had uh, a good few. I mean, it's a new new business. Yeah, it's a new new business. So let's see how things go. Um, but so far the, the industry feedback has been great. As you know, we launched another, uh, company, uh, early in the year. So, you know, for our size, we're doing quite well. We launched two new companies this year. Um, you'll become a holding company guy. No, we're not a holding company. We're not a holding company. At the, at the end of the day, you know, we have our creative services business. We have a content business and we have a, a build and automation business and, um, you know, the, the, the build and automation, you know, to, again, it's early days. We're, we're, you know, we're a few weeks in, but the pipeline looks great. We seem to be hitting the right conversation points. Um, you know, we seem to be uh, solving some market challenges. Uh, you know, I've got stats coming out of the wazoo to, you know, back that up. So let's, let's, let's see, let's see, uh, but I'm feeling good. And as I said, the other business is flying as well on, on top fable. And, you know, that's got a platform behind it. 
so we've built all these things and, and that's the joy of being an independent business, I guess. Um, we can just build stuff, see if it works. Well, and, and this to me is proof that, you know, when you call yourselves digital agencies, you really do have a deep understanding of technology because you are applying technology not just to your uh, clients' businesses and your clients' problems, but also to your own challenges internally, which I, which I love. I'm also excited by this guy because, you know, it was about seven years ago I wrote a blog post or an article that said that as uh, advertising needed to embrace the automotive approach. And, and I'll just share with you the idea that the automotive industry spends a large amount of time and effort designing a prototype. You know, they do research, they build a, they actually build the prototype, they test it, and when it's got all the ticks, then it goes into a production line that has been optimised to produce as many different variations as the customer wants, as quickly and cheaply as possible to the quality that the customer expects. So the days of Henry Ford going, you could have the Model T in any colour as long as it's black are gone. You know, I can have uh, yellow, yellow or orange upholstery with bright blue uh, Duco paintwork um, and it can be made for me, you know, off the production line because it's automated, because they've embraced technology and embraced robotics. But they haven't cut short the the development in the first place. And I see this as exactly what you were saying before about, you know, replacing creativity. And we've all read where they've put an AI against a human being to come up with a creative yeah. idea, you know, and it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. I agree. Uh, I'm glad you emphasise the quality uh, aspect because uh, for me, that's really important. Uh, and again, it's really hard kind of keeping these conversations super strategic and and not executional. But again, if you look at the way we deal with, um, you know, assets, the key thing is rather than building an asset bottom up. So this is your banner. Click here has to be here. We're not interested in that. It's like as a creative individual, upload what you think is the perfect thing. Our software then reads that perfect asset and then will tell you what you can optimize. So for us, you know, you're, it's about that. You've got to have the quality because otherwise you just end up with a whole load of crap programmatic advertising that we've already got. And I don't want to make the problem worse. So I'm glad you emphasize quality because for me, uh, yeah, it's quality. And then how do you optimize that hero thing that hero asset that hero tv ad that hero social ad that hero facebook whatever it is how do you optimize the perfect thing that the creative team are happy with i do not want it to be about using ai to come up with ideas or design banners or anything or, you know design social posts i'm not interested in that Look, uh, Guy, this has been a terrific uh, conversation. I've really appreciated you uh, making the time. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on Managing Marketing and uh, sharing with me uh, where you're taking robotics in advertising. Oh, thank you, Darren. Thanks for your time. I do have a question just before you go. Uh-oh. Considering your journey so far, 
What's the next big thing in advertising that we can solve with technology? Thank you.